1: Good morning and welcome to episode 73 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name's Sam Davis and I apologise if you've seen the drunken vlog over the weekend. If not, you can go to youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast as I did a match day experience video for the channel and um, yeah, a fair few lagers were had. Uh, Wine at half time, gin and tonic, I was in absolute state, however... This weekend was a great chance to let off steam. It was a no-pressure game and Bournemouth came up trumps, didn't they? Yeah, scored four goals, home against Luton Town. Nice to be on the right side of that scoreline because, yeah, New Year's Day wasn't particularly great at the London Stadium. I'm going to enjoy talking about Saturday's game, not so much the one on January the 1st, but we're going to go over it, get some raw audio and much, much more in this bumper podcast podcast. Now, with me this week, uh, Jeff has taken a week off and we're with Neil Dawson, who's been on the pod before. And if you'd like to see the chat, well, of course, you can do so as ever by going to youtube.com forward slash afcbpodcast. And those of you who've got an eagle eye will probably notice a change of location. We're actually filming it at the Barking Cat Ale House. That's in Ashley Road, in Parkstone, in Poole, that's the John Lewis end. And... It's a new permanent location for the pod and what that does is it gives us a scope to have more guests on the show. So it won't just be two, we can have three, four, five, whatever. Have a few beers and have a chat about AFC Bournemouth in relaxed surroundings. We'll tell you a little bit more about the Barking Cat a bit later on in the pod, but you can also see it on our YouTube channel too. So we usually start with Do You Remember? We're going to pop it a bit later on in today's show. But let's wind back now to January the 1st and Cherry's visit to the London Stadium.
2: Here goes Felipe Anderson again, the Brazilian. Is this the moment? It most certainly is! And for him too, the wait is over. Felipe Anderson scores for the first time this season and surely completes the job today for West Ham United.
3: Well, that's it now. That's game
1: over, isn't it? 4-0. The a form absolutely dejected...
2: West Ham super.
1: So there we go. Not the best of results. And these were some of your thoughts. This is Patrick Devitt and Jeff with all the Zeds with their opinion. And after this, we'll go straight to the chat with Neil Dawson.
4: Well, that was something, wasn't it? Uh, definitely not the way we wanted to uh, ring in the new year um, for the Cherries. But... Uh, We'll give you what we thought. Um, it definitely seems like the Premier League bubble has burst for the team. Um, I'm not really gonna single out anybody because that was a really, really poor performance overall from the entire squad. But uh, just a few things that really kind of caught my eye today were, um, one, we clearly are putting out the worst strike partnership in the Premier League right now with Callum and Dominic. Uh, I literally started laughing when uh, Dominic's header went off the post uh, near the end of the game. It's just never going to happen for him with uh, Bournemouth. You see people give Jordan Ive a lot of stick, but, I mean, at least he scored. (laughs) Um, The other big alarming thing I see is how teams have started to attack Diego Rico um, on the left flank. It's really concerning that people would rather attack Diego than run at our 34-year-old right back that's coming off an ACL injury in Frano, who, by the way, I think is really having a really underrated season. Um, given that he's coming off that torn ACL, I think uh, Simon Francis has performed really, really well for us so far.
2: Morning, Sam. It's the morning after the night before. This is Jefferson calling you from Southbourne Beach in Bournemouth. Um, yesterday, yeah, we had a very easy trip up. Uh, went up in a car with a few mates, including one of the numerous Keith Brewers. Um, I found a very nice pub called the Green Goose which is within sound of the famous bow bells. Um, Had a very few nice pints of uh, Battersea Pale Ale. Um, Finished them, made our way to the London Stadium. Um, Team selection, I suppose, was very much as expected. Patched up as, as we thought it might be. Um, highlights of the first half. <laughs> Very few. Didn't think it was a yellow card for Rico. Thought he'd been fouled. Um, the penalty on Harry Wilson on on Mark Noble. We thought we all thought it was a penalty. It was right in front of us. We all thought it was a penalty. Only later saw replays saw it probably wasn't didn't really make much difference to the result as such uh on to the second half we had much the same experience uh were people leaving after certainly after an hour people were leaving fans were leaving what fans there were, I think there were less than a thousand of us there last night um I gave VAR the uh, Man of the Match award at Brighton. Uh, Sadly, can't give it to him this time. I thought he let us down badly um, on this game. Um, I'd give it to the goalkeeper, Aaron Ramsdale. Made a few smart saves in the second half. Uh, Nice easy trip home, which is one of the bonuses. Home by quarter past ten. On to the FA Cup with Luton. So I'll be in the North Stand for that one i uh, going to get my tinfoil cup made And uh, see the start of the march to Wembley I guess uh, See you there Up the cherries
1: So those were the fans' thoughts, and we're here with Neil Dawson.
3: Neil, how are you? I'm very good. Happy
1: New Year. Happy New Year to you. It's um it's been a while since uh, we've caught up, and um, it's not been a great 2019,
3: was it? No, we've had. Uh, I think we've had a lot better Christmases, that's for sure. Um, I think at the end of the West Ham game, I was slitting my wrists. Uh, I was. I don't think we'd ever seen us play so poorly over 90 minutes, probably since Paul Groves um, departed yeah. our beloved football club. Um, so uh, difficult to see any optimism. Yesterday, though, I think we uh, we put a smile back on people's faces. So we can't gloss over the fact um, it was Luton reserves, but you can only beat what's in front of you, and uh, I think we did it very well. So, yeah. yeah
1: so let's uh, wind back because obviously we haven't had a podcast um of the West Ham game because that was in the week. Well, that was on New Year's Day, and uh, is that the lowest you felt as a Premier League fan?
3: Yeah, I mean, we've had heavier defeats in the Premier League, but we've never had worse performance um, than that. Uh, I was having an argument with someone, at a friendly argument with someone at the game yesterday because they said Crystal Palace was worse. And I thought, I said, I don't know how you can say that because Crystal Palace, all right, they had 10 men and uh, but we were knocking on around their penalty area for most of the second half. Um, West Ham, I think they put a stat out on the telly that we only got in their penalty area once in mm. about 25 minutes in that second half. So... Just uh, I've never seen a team look so a Bournemouth team look so dispirited. I imagine it must have been what Southampton fans were watching when they watched the 9-0 against Leicester. Oh. We, we we literally contributed nothing on any area of the pitch. Do
1: you think it was a culmination of factors that's <clears throat> led to us having this lack of confidence? Because obviously people can blame injuries. Um, seems to be a bit of disunity. Not sure, of course, we aren't in the changing room, but uh, something's certainly gone
3: wrong. Um yeah, I just think you. It's really hard to separate out all of the factors. So clearly, there's a injury problem. Mm. Clearly, there's a confidence problem. Uh, clearly, the, we played three different tactical setups during the course of the game. Mm. So clearly, we didn't really have a path, a, a clear path that we wanted. And I think the that just added to the confusion. Um, the substitutions were poor. Um, you, you looked and thought, yeah. well, what, what's that going to do? Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I just think it's. We, we've had a bad run, and that was the culmination of a bad run. But sometimes I think you need a game like that. Mm. Um, if you're just losing 1 0 every week and yeah. you're coming in and you've hit the bar twice, I think you never really deal with your problems. Mm. I think dropping into the relegation zone, putting in a performance that poor, if that isn't the call to arms that yeah. the club need, then. We don't deserve to stay out no, so. I think
1: I think that's what worked for Southampton, mm-hmm. really, with their 9-0. It's what kick them into action. And I said at the time, I can't remember when. I think it was on the YouTube channel, that I know their, their penalty decision was a little bit contentious. He seemed to clip his own heels and go down. Not oh, yeah. sure what was going on with the arms. Uh, however, in a way, I was sort of glad that decision was given anyway, because it makes it a harsher scoreline for AFC Bournemouth and maybe makes Eddie... Uh, and the players actually stand up and think, right, well, 4-0 an awful result, certainly yeah. certainly more so than 3-0. And, um, you know, maybe that's the rocket they needed.
3: Yeah, no, I think, like I said, I think if you look, if you lost that game 1-0, then is there any real need to change the system? Mm. Um, uh, is there any real need to look at certain players or for certain players to probably search deep into their own hearts? Which I think a lot of them will have done that mm. night. I mean... Even I mean Jefferson Lerma was awful. Yeah, How yeah, often yeah. do you have to? I don't think we've ever said that. No, I it's mean, shocking. Dan Gosling looked just so off the pace, and he's someone that what you know with him is you will get a lot of effort. Yeah. Um, sometimes against high class opposition, you don't get the fine touch, but he, you always get effort from him. He just looked exhausted. I mm. mean the, you know, so so the players that don't always play well didn't. But the players that do always play well didn't either. Mm. I mean, Steve Cook probably had the, his worst game in a Bournemouth shirt. Mm. Um, and again, how often do you, do you say that? So um, it we couldn't. It was just a perfect storm, really. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're everyone. I think everyone was shattered, and then everyone had their worst game. And mm. we managed to turn a West Ham. Team that have looked woeful yeah. into when I mean, they were spraying it around like Real Madrid. When was the last
1: match you uh, witnessed as an AC fan where you thought that, yeah, you know, this is us, this is our identity, I'm chuffed to bits with how this game's gone? Uh, seems a long way back. I mean, the second half against Chelsea at home, maybe, where we smashed them 4-0, perhaps. But other than that, it's been a while since we've had that complete performance, hasn't it?
3: Yeah, I think since we changed our style. Uh, so we had a style and an identity. Um, we changed that style and identity uh, into a counter-attacking uh, a style, which has been discussed by myself and Jeff and other people on here many times. Mm. Since we've changed to that style, we've had some we've had some games where we you know where we've won really well. So Chelsea a prime example of that. But I think we had thirty five percent possession in that Chelsea yeah. game that we won four 0 So effectively, we broke really well against Chelsea in that game. In terms of dominating a team um, and and winning. You'd have to go back to not last season but the season before that, I think. So, um, or or maybe the start of last season when Brooks was on fire, Fulham away. Mm. Um, But it's been a long, long time. time. We
1: always, a fact, we always, a uh, supporter that um, looked at some of the early draws and thought there are some cracks that are being papered over by certain results. I mean, obviously, we didn't do very well against Sheffield United, first game of the season, Norwich, uh, Newcastle away, uh, you know, we could go on. Um, It seemed that afterwards a lot of um, Bournemouth fans were very laid back about it, saying, well, you know, teams like that are hard to beat, etc. But um, to me, it just seemed like the cracks had been papered over for quite a long time and our sort of false league position um, almost aided that.
3: Yeah, I mean, when we came out of the nil-nils with Norwich and Watford with you know, um, and when some fans were saying that it's just not good enough, the performances weren't great. We'll live to regret it. Yeah, other other fans were saying, "Well, we're eighth in the Premier League. Mm. What do you what do you expect?" But I think the the problem was we had a kind run of fixtures. We played a Southampton team that didn't have an identity. We played an Everton team that didn't have an identity. That enabled us to pick up six points. Yeah. Um, We then went into a a series of of, of teams that we should have beaten, that we drew with and then we came out of them into the run of fixtures we all knew was going to be tough and we got the results that we expected but we should have gone into those fixtures with six or seven more points and even if we had that six or seven points now Mm. we wouldn't be worried, we wouldn't be stressed, we would be mid-table. Those were the games that cost us um, because you have to win when you've got a fully fit squad and you're playing poorer teams in the yeah. Premier League because you will have that run where you have injuries or where you have Liverpool, Man City, Tottenham back to back where you can wipe out a month. That's yeah. the problem. So we didn't make the most of it when we should have.
1: So we're going to pick up the chat with Neil Dawson as we go on to talk about the FA Cup match against Luton very shortly, but as I mentioned earlier, we're at the Barking Cat Ale House in Parkstone on Ashley Road, that is the John Lewis end. Voted pub of the season by East Dorset Camera for spring 2019 and managed by Mark Ambrose, you'd be hard pushed to be disappointed with the choice of ale, cider and craft beer with a total of 24 different products on tap at all times and with all cask on ever-changing selections and five out of the 10 keg lines changing all the time and with every style you could possibly ask for why would you go anywhere else? If you do go there for a pint and you're a listener to the podcast, do tell them behind the bar. Um, it's either going to be uh, Michael behind the bar, it could be Mark or Andy, whoever it is, do mention back of the net. They're all aware of us. And uh, yeah, we are doing our podcast there on Sunday morning. So it's a great place to be. So at the start of the show, we didn't do it, but we're going to do it now. Here's Do You Remember? So yeah, Saturday was certainly very good to put the Gremlins of New Year's Day to bed with a 4-0 reverse against Luton Town in the Cup. Uh, But my question for Do You Remember This Week is, what was the last time we played Luton in a Cup competition? When was it? Can you also tell me what the scoreline was and any scorers in that match? I'm not just talking the FA Cup in any knockout competition. So obviously we played them on Saturday. But before that, when was our last match in a cup competition against Luton Town? And can you tell me the score and scorers as well? I'll give you the answer at the end of the show. Good luck with that. So we'll pick up the chat with Neil Dawson shortly. But first, these were Ashley's views after that 4-0 drubbing.
0: Hi oh, Ashley here from the main stand um, I was really pleased when I saw the team yesterday um, It looked to me like Eddie had accepted the fact that getting some momentum and winning the game would give the team some, some confidence so I thought he picked a good side I thought we started well um, We moved the ball far more quickly than we have done recently uh, Created a few overlaps, some old sort of the championship football um, And I thought Billings took his goal uh, really well, his first goal Solanke's goal that wasn't typified his season. Um, I was absolutely gutted for him at that point. Um, I thought we then reverted back to some of the sort of more tiresome football we've seen in recent weeks. The passing became more and more slow, I thought, in the middle third of the game, too lateral. Um, The biggest offender was Billing, I thought he does slow the ball up. He doesn't seem to have an appreciation of, of, of when we turn the ball over um in fact he does that often he turns the ball over but he then doesn't pass it forwards he he passes it back inside or backwards um sermon on the other hand i thought was excellent um he reads the play really well his passing was good and unlike billing actually he kept things on the front foot contrary actually to what a lot of people think i think he's a very underrated player for us um obviously it was great to see wilson and Solanke score uh, hopefully a sign of things to come i thought Solanke actually played quite well overall um in what actually is his preferred position. And Wilson's goal seemed to wake him up from the uh, the deep slumber he's been in over the last few months. Um, he started to make runs we haven't seen for a while. Um, and although that was great, it does make you wonder what's been going on in his head um, over that time. Anyway, so more glimmers of form. Great to get a win. Um, I think we need to stay courageous in our passing, move the ball more quickly through midfield... Um, along with taking the odd shot and crossing the ball across the six-yard box without turning it back towards our own goal. It's not that hard, is it? Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye.
1: Right, we're back with Neil again And <clears throat> given the fact that after the West Ham game You we went into the relegation zone uh, for the first time In what seems like a long time um, What were your thoughts ahead of the FA Cup match? Because there were two ways that Eddie could have played this Well, three in fact He you know, he could have blooded the youth uh, Kept our uh, players injury-free As much as he possibly could Or he could give them a bit of confidence And play them Or have a blend of both mm. um, But yesterday when the team sheets came out, were you surprised at how strong it actually was?
3: Yeah, I was staggered. Yeah. Staggered. I, mean, it, it, I think we've become the club that you just can't predict anymore. <laughs> I mean, we used to be the most predictable. You could predict the team every week. Yeah. Uh, you could predict the result most weeks. Um, now we've become a team where we're more likely to win when we play great teams yeah. and le- less likely to win when we're in poor teams. I never have a clue when I drive to the ground what the team's going to be, even for a Premier League game. And no. I've always been pretty good at, um, guessing who's yeah. going to who's going to pick. Uh, so all all of that's gone out the window. So yesterday again, I was amazed because I, I I thought that team, regardless of you know whether whether Eddie wanted to teach him a lesson or, or whatever, that team looked physically exhausted. Mm. And bearing in mind we've never played a strong team in a cup competition mm. on the back of exhaustion and having such an important run of fixtures coming up. Because again, normally. We'd, we we could have played stronger teams in cup competitions because we were never going to go down. Yeah. This year we have got a real threat of going down, which we'll probably come on to later. Yeah. But um, so I'd bet my mortgage that, mm. that that would have been a team with Kilkenny Dobra. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, big time. And uh, when my my little boy reads a team out to me when we're driving along, <laughs> He's boy. he was, I was like, Blind. and so I was amazed, absolutely yeah. amazed. But I think you can see the method in his in his logic. Mm. So I, I think had we fielded a reserve team. Um, although having seen Luton yesterday, I think our reserves would have won because yeah. they 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 they, were poor. they were poor, and then they fielded their reserves, mm. so it, it was a you know it was a poor poor Luton side playing their reserves. Um, so I think we could have we could have played a weaker team yesterday, but mm. I think I think he just thought if we lose that cup tie, yeah. the the club have just got no way of playing their reserves back into form in no, future true, weeks. True, and also the morale will just keeps going down and down and down. So. So, yeah, play some players back into form and it worked.
1: Yeah, it did. So, yeah, Bournemouth won 4-0, obviously. And it was good to see uh, some players uh, like Andrew Sermon playing again. Uh, Jack Simpson started. Uh, Travers uh, started in goal as well. And that's uh, the fourth penalty in the row that uh, has he's not conceded. Yeah. Which is quite a good stat. But, yeah. Um, twisting not, it. Not, not quite sure what that. he did, but yeah. 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 Um, and... How did you feel watching that? You know, did it feel like the ball was old, or were there sort of certain sort of positive signs there? I mean, obviously the attacking threat was there, but what were your feelings of the game overall?
3: I think what interested me, and where only time will tell. I think we saw an intent from Eddie to return to the style of football that we used to play. Yeah. Um, so, and I think he, you know, he will have. I mean, he will have been agonised after the after the West Ham game. Mm. I think he's he's done some. Real thinking, and I think he's wisely decided to go back to the type of football that Bournemouth were yeah. famous for. Now, only time will tell whether that was just because it was Luton. Yeah. But what you could clearly see, which is very different from previous weeks, was the full-backs were pushed right up the pitch. It was yeah. like watching Francis wind the clock back four years. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rico was playing almost as a winger, and he pulled the two wide players into the middle. So Fraser and... Um, uh, memories escape me now yeah, Fraser I Wilson see, yes, Harry I Wilson think, think, Harry came right into the middle so if you if you think back to the championship side that was um, that was uh, Richie used to come into yeah, the middle and do, right. do exactly the same job so he He's, he replicated that style of football. He was able to do that because he had Sermon doing that role that he did in the championship, where he never attacks. Yeah, just the anglers. and if the fullbacks get caught up the pitch, the Sermons Andrew Sermon's job in the championship was always to come across and be the fullback, the, yeah. the missing fullback, or step into the back four and let one of the centre backs go across. And that's exactly what how we played it yesterday. So, And and Sermon, again, it was wind the clock back four years. I mean, he was my man of the match. Uh, and I just thought it was, it was superb. Whether or not he could do that, that's what I kept thinking all through the game, could he still do this in the Premier League? Well, could, I mean, if he did, he could probably
1: do it only as part of a three rather than with a two in midfield, would you say?
3: Uh, yeah, well, it was a three in midfield yesterday, wasn't it? Because Stan was playing as, yeah. a, as a number ten. So no, he could. What he what he gives you, which we which even though Lerma is a better player than Andrew Sermon, what what Sermon gives you that we saw yesterday was that first time ball to the, yeah, particularly the left hand side because he's left footed, mm. and he plays it with pace and in front of the player. And he did it to Rico a number of times yesterday. He, yeah. gave, he gave him a superb ball. Lerma will control the ball and look yeah. for Billing and Billing controls the ball and look for Lerma and yeah. that, that's, that's the thing that Andrew Sermon brings you so it's whether or not we can get Lerma to play that ball yeah. first time be because nice it, it, it kept what Andrew Sermon did yesterday was he set the tempo of the whole mm. game but I think it might be a stretch to think he could do that against Liverpool or Tottenham yeah. so <clears throat> it's nice to see um, Philip Billing
1: well our midfielders popping up uh, with the goals and Philip Billing I think he had a had a funny game uh, a few sort of poor moments but nice to see him get on the score sheet and uh, he notched a couple in the end what did you think of him yesterday because um, he he had a poor last few games for AC Bournemouth when he's been on the pitch
3: he, he got sponsors man of the match which always makes me laugh yeah. because you can uh, <laughs> all you have to do is if you score the most goals in any game you normally get yeah. sponsors man of the match um, I thought he I didn't think he was an awful lot better to be honest mm. I thought he was he, he was a bit ponderous yeah. uh, he slows the game down he never quite looks like he knows where he's going to pass the ball when he gets it
2: Yeah.
3: Um, so he's always looking around he's got the advantage of being taller than everyone else so yeah. when he looks around he, he can see the game from a different perspective <laughs> yeah. but um, you know and credit to him because both his goals he hit first time really well with his left foot mm. Um, be good to see him shoot more from do outside the box Do you
1: think that's something that Eddie's been maybe encouraging the players to do
3: um well there's all these rumors isn't it that they've all been told not to shoot i think <laughs> it came from i think two different i think harry Arter said it once and then mark wilson bizarrely said yeah, it oh right, inside, okay. yeah um that uh, he'd been told off for scoring from outside the box right. uh certainly we don't shoot enough mm. from outside the box whether or not eddie said it only he'll be able to tell the, the answer to that i think that um uh Billing's got it in him because he's scored goals for Huddersfield that are very spectacular. It
1: was nice to see him pop up. Um, and Dominic Solanke, we all thought it wasn't going to happen for him uh, after that disallowed header. And Harry Wilson was offside. And, uh, you know, according to Eddie Howe, he looked at it and said, well, it didn't really affect the, the view of the keeper. But I think just his movement um, that he made sort of threw the keeper off slightly Um and obviously it went in, but VAR checked it and it was disallowed. But at that moment, you just thought, "Oh my god, it's never going to
3: happen for him, is it?" I was devastated for him. I, um, I, I thought I had a feeling he'd score, yeah.
1: Um,
3: and uh, it, when he when it went in, the whole ground got so excited, yeah. and it was a lovely moment. And all the players ran to him. You just knew when it came up, yeah. VAR's yeah. checking this goal. You just knew that it, it was going to be disallowed because yeah. it's just the run of luck that he's on, and. Uh, had it been given had that goal had we had that goal given against us, and it had stood, I'd have been disappointed, so yeah. you had to say that yeah. Harry Wilson did run across his line, but had he not scored that second goal, mm. I think he'd have been pelting in um, Harry Wilson training all week for that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it was, you know, I'm glad he did. I mean, it was one that trickled across the line, but again, you could see the players run up to him, and it, it's obviously a sort of monkey off his back. And, you know, given the fact that Josh King is injured, he, he is going to be the shoe in striker, I think, alongside Callum Wilson, maybe. Um, good, but good, really good for Callum Wilson to score as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, Cal- Callum Wilson needed the goal. Callum Wilson's was a pure striker's goal, so yeah. it was good to see him score that, uh, because even Solanke's actual goal that stood was quite a scuffed finish it wasn't scored with yeah, any yeah. conviction I, I mean I wouldn't want him to start against no, Watford no. but um, I think you know it's great that he's done that it might give him confidence if he comes on I just think that over the last three games he's not strong enough when he plays to th- these next three games are crucial to us so we, we can't look back and think we got the line-up wrong mm.
1: would you think that um, I think you know, got- Callum should be starting up front then and maybe have a five-man midfield
3: yeah I mean Callum hasn't you know don't get me wrong Callum you know uh, people could say well he hasn't done been an awful lot different to Solanke and he hasn't but he has a pedigree that Solanke doesn't have so yeah. Solanke scored one in 57 Premier League games Yeah, thats is that the man you want to bank on your future I don't know maybe this goal will help him maybe Eddie sees stuff in training my personal view is I'd have Gosling um, breaking into the box from midfield yeah. um, with Lerma and one other sat behind mm. either Billing or Cook um, I don't think you can leave Gosling out yeah. um, and I think he will get more goals than Solanke mm, okay. at the moment if the service is right. How, how how enthusiastic
1: can you be about yesterday's result given the fact, one, it was a team from the Championship, two, they're bottom of the league, three, they're playing their reserves, four, they were just poor on the day. Can you take much out of it and will Eddie uh, be making any changes in his mindset or decisions ahead of the Watford game after that match, do you think?
3: No, I think he used it as a practice run. I'm hoping he used it as a practice run for the style he wants to play. Mm. Um, and I think that will help him. I think, um, I think it will help all the individuals that play well. I think Eddie's way too long in the tooth to think we've got it cracked on the back of beating that loop yeah, side. Yeah. But it does you no power of good to, to get used to. I mean, my dad reminded me that um, the Hungry... Side that the, bizarrely that played so well in the 1950s mm. that they used to warm up for every World Cup by playing village sides or town oh, sides, really? and they would just work their system. They'd win 18 or 19 yeah. nil, and it was something that they, that they did. And my dad reminded me of that last night. God knows why, but yeah. but, but I mean, there's there's no harm in it. There's no harm in mm. in in. People feeling better about themselves mm-hmm. and feeling in a bit of a groove and he got a run out for hopefully pushing the fullbacks higher up the pitch. Mm.
1: Interesting. I mean, do you think Eddie's mindset for these cup games will have changed as a result of that? Because I know that in previous seasons I, I seem to remember the Millwall match where we capitulated, mm-hmm. lost three nil and uh, it was a It was a poor game, but after that we had a terrible run, and it was like all momentum had been lost uh, you know given the fact that this is potentially kick starting our season now, do you think you know going forward he may change his view about the FA Cup or will it always be relative to where we're how we 're doing in the premier League
3: well i got two I got two theories so there's the first theory that he wanted to gain confidence back for the players. The second theory that was playing in my mind driving to the ground mm. was i think he was Heavily, heavily pissed off after the Burton game. Yeah, so you could sense it in in the yeah. things that he said. A lot of fans travelled to that game. I was one of them, although I only travelled from Burton, so uh, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> not bad I'm job. not claiming any medals. The um, the uh, and I think you could you could see he was visibly hurt after that Burton game. Yeah. So we, we made eleven changes. The players on the pitch were were good. I mean, Lloyd Kelly played. Yeah, um, you know. Yeah, Andrew Sermon who we talked about yesterday played against Burton and didn't look anywhere near as good as he did yesterday because mm. I think you can look good in a side that's made five or six changes you can't make eleven changes so Gavin Kilkenny great prospect he got took off at half time against Burton he mm. couldn't have looked more out of out of, yeah. out of out of sorts so I think Eddie was so disappointed after that Burton game I did wonder whether that might be the catalyst for him doing what most Premier League teams mm. do and change six or, five or six players not all eleven yeah so it's very easy to, to get
1: consumed by the negativity, I think, when you look on various forums on Facebook and, and Twitter. Um, have you been feeling, my goodness, this this could actually be the end of our Premier League stint, or have you always been keeping the faith throughout it?
3: Um, naturally, I've never thought we'd go down in any season in the Premier League, even when we've had our bad runs. Um,
1: even in the first season, do you not think we would?
3: No, I didn't. I didn't. I, I suppose there was that time when we lost heavily against Tottenham and Man City, and we had that we had that week where things looked a bit poor. Mm. And uh, I think we could have. Uh, I think maybe it crossed my mind then, but I, there was still too long in the season to go. That was still that was October time, wasn't it? Mm. Um, this is probably. I still don't think we'll go down because mm. I still think we will. Eddie normally finds a way, and and we'll we'll, we'll put a system together that that will get some results. Mm. But it's probably the most nervous I've been because I think there are, there are, there has to be such a dramatic shift mm. from the West Ham game. Yeah. So it, it, in other seasons we might have been scraping. You know, other teams were scraping results against us, or we were a little unlucky we've been so out of it since mm. Crystal Palace really haven't yeah. we the, but the, are, there, <clears throat> are there three worst teams in the Premier League well this is the other problem that we've got so if you, if you, if you want uh, another reason for being slightly pessimistic mm. um the new manager bounce hasn't worked in previous seasons. In the last couple of seasons, I don't think the, the, not, the, as much. The, not as much. And you now look at it, Watford. Watford look in supreme form. Mm. I know they they drew yesterday, but they made uh, nine changes. I think they look in supreme form. Um, so I think Norwich are the team that are looking dead and buried. Aston Villa had that morale boosting win um, last week. They'll. They will spend in in the in the January window because they've got massive backing. Um, so you do look at it and just think, you know, Norwich probably looked the worst side in it, hmm. and yet yeah, look how well they played against Spurs. Yeah, <clears throat> we're the side not playing well. That's the problem. We have to change that round.
1: Do you think Eddie should be looking at new signings in the transfer window? I know we've got Brad Smith back on, uh, on loan. Sam Surridge also come back, committed his future to the club with a four and a half year deal, but. Should he really be looking? And if so, what positions do you think we should be strengthening it?
3: Um, yeah, I mean Brad Smith and Sam Surridge aren't the players to keep you no. in the Premier League. No. They, you know, that Brad Smith isn't full stop. Sam Surridge hopefully will be that mm. player in time. Um, certainly, he looks like he has a lot of potential, but he's not the player for now. Mm. Uh, he might come on and do something. So yeah, I think we do need to strengthen. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if the, if the board will give the cash or have got the cash mm. because they, they, there's been a lot of noises from Eddie. I think there's a couple of interesting things playing out. There's the fact that Eddie's not signed a contract, yeah. which I think is adding to the whole picture yeah. of uncertainty around the club. Fraser, because
1: Eddie Howe. Nathan so yeah, Ake
3: yeah. rumours, Callum mm. Wilson rumours. I think these are things that we've not had before. Um, and why is he not signing a contract? Mm. What, what is putting him off? Because he's always been someone that signed a contract, giving him two, three years. Yeah so clearly the players will be aware of that Some, something's happening with that he's mentioned that he doesn't think there's going to be anything money wise mm. on the signings they've given him 85 million quid haven't they in the yeah. last calendar year Yeah. you could be quite harsh and say that he didn't use that 85 million quid to bring oven ready Premier League no, players in no. and we might now be bearing the fruits of that yeah. um, so it may well be that they're saying well we don't want to give you another 30 yeah. or 40 million quid because A you've had all the cash yeah. we probably only we probably, our turnover, I mean, you get 105000000 million, don't you, for TV money? Yeah, that's right. We'll get nothing out of game money. Yeah. If we've used $85 million on signings, the rest will be, there's a lot of wages in that. Mm. I mean, Jermaine Defoe, we still pay $4 for yeah, per a year scary. to, to yeah. play for someone else. So it's, I, I don't think we'll get the money. If we did get the money, he needs a forward and a winger, mm. I would say. I think the, the if Nathan Ake comes back and stays, we've got enough. Lloyd Kelly's close to getting fit, Adam Smith's close to getting fit. Where we've not sparked is a centre forward scoring goals and a winner.
1: Jig, yeah. so, um, the league position is a factor when they're thinking, shall we give Eddie money or not? Because obviously, if we're sitting in the top 10, then, well, there's no need. But surely in this position, you'd think, oh, you know, give him 10 million or something just to get someone in. If they've got it. Mm.
3: Because we don't know what Max's intentions are. Does he want to stay around? Mm. The Americans have pulled out. Yeah. <clears throat> it doesn't look like the stadium's happening, and I'm painting a picture of doom here. Yeah, but, but you don't, let's you, be honest, yeah. Yeah, if you give someone 10000000 it's million, you've got to sign a player that's going to join a football club thinking that football club might get relegated. Mm. So they're going to have a clause put in their contract that says, this is your wages, but next year it might be half of that or yeah. a quarter of that. And that's that. I think when Eddie says it's difficult, that's what he means, because yeah. you... You're really going for people that, I mean, what sort of players fit into that category that mm. you really want. That's, yeah. that's the problem that we've got. Whereas I think if you're top 10, like last season, we were in a good position. We signed Meppen, and we signed Solanke because they both saw us as a club that was going to be Premier League. Yeah. I think now it's, it's, we're in a different position for us.
1: I think uh, Nathan Ake. I saw on Twitter. I think uh, a parent um, managed to embarrass her kids by approaching him yeah, in
3: public. Yeah, or something, uh, like, something yeah. like that. Yeah. I was just and, more disappointed he wasn't in waitrose. <laughs> yeah, a, man his, right. a man of his wages should not be shopping in the supermarkets. The rest of us shop. No,
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> but he, you know, she said, you know, "When are you likely to be back?" And he said, "Hopefully for Watford." But um, what are the chances it'll be in an AFC Bournemouth shirt his next match? Because obviously there there seem to be more teams interested in him by the day and you'd think even if you're chelsea even if you don't want him you've got first refusal 40 million yeah you could buy him and then sell him the
3: next day for 50 60 maybe yeah um, which is what so, wolves did with w- w- benficafo yeah so why wouldn't yeah. they um well i think they will yeah. but we but only time will tell but um, do you think
1: he gets a say in where he wants to go i I, pres- I presume he does
3: yeah i think i think he would but i think if he uh, i mean he's not a Bournemouth fan no he didn't grow up here, he's, no. so I think he will. He's he's he he's got a short career. He could get injured, so I think players will always look after themselves. And I think if a bid comes in for him, he will go. Mm. Um, I would I would imagine. I don't see why he would stay and play out the season mm. if someone came along and offered him. Um, a significant increase in his wages and Mm. a place in a a club that's got European football. Mm. But, I mean, why would he not take that? I mean, he would be mad not to take that.
1: He's a big fish in a small pond at AC Bournemouth. Um, If he was to be re-signed by someone like Chelsea, do you think he'd be a player that would be content to sit on the bench? Uh, Because he might not... Well, there would be a lot more competition than what there would be at Dean Court.
3: I think he would trust himself to get into... um, at the Chelsea side or the Arsenal side because they're the two clubs linked with him because neither have got a great defence I think if Liverpool or Man City were linked with him I think he would know he would be going there as a third or fourth choice and that's a different decision for him to make yeah. but I think he would if you look at the Chelsea or Arsenal sides that we've seen them recently he's better than what they've got yeah. so I think he would know that he would go back and play
1: mm. And are there any other players that you're worried about <clears throat> maybe leaving the club in January or do you think no.
3: we'll keep hold of them? I don't think with the form we're in, um, the only player, if you watched us, that you would be interested in signing would be Jefferson Lerma. Mm, yeah. I think we could probably got enough leverage over him to say you can stay and see the year out. Mm. And then I think Jefferson Lerma is the type of player that probably won't give a club more than two or three years anyway. Right, I think yeah. he's on an upwards career path. Yeah. And uh, I think he would do, also do very well in a, in a top six or seven mm. Premier League club
1: so moving on then obviously the Watford game um, what are you feeling about these next tranche of games because there are ones that are winnable there but we've, we've said this before haven't we
3: yeah <laughs> we, we, we like we said earlier it's the most unpredictable of seasons I don't know what the lineups going to be for Watford I don't know what Bournemouth side are going to turn up um, it's going to need to be a good one because Watford are probably top six or seven in form at the moment um, they are winning every week they've stumbled across on a system that works really well for them. Um, I think they've got Troy Deeney back, who mm. is a player that continental managers there haven't hasn't used in the way that he was used before. I think mm. Nigel Pearson has m- built a team around him. He's a man for a relegation battle. Yeah. Troy Deeney uh, he's a player I was wish we'd signed over yeah. the years, um, and uh, they've got two very quick players playing off him um, uh, on a Delafeu and uh, Sar uh, yeah, on the other right, side. Yeah. 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 And Kapu sat just behind. So as a front four, they've got they've got everything. So they will test our defence um, uh, where they're slightly weaker, though he's tightened it up at the back. He's tightened it up at the back just by getting them to attack. Mm. So their yeah. back four are less yeah. exposed um, than they were. So if we can get at them, it will be with pace at the back um, mm. because their center, centre-halves aren't quick. But what we'll have to watch out for is those front four. Do
1: you think that uh, Nigel Pearson's a bit <clears throat> under... An underrated manager, given that he quite potentially put the groundwork in for the Tinker Man when he took over at Leicester, uh, you know, only to take the credit when they won the league. What were your thoughts on him?
3: Well, he did a he did a he did a brilliant job. I think he rallies a team. There's, there's, you've got a selection of managers out there that are relegation yeah. avoidance specialists, don't you? And what they do is they they put a team together and they rally that team. Alan Pardew's done it a number of mm-hmm. times. Sam Allardyce's done it a number of times. It's when they then get given a a consistent run at a club. They, yeah. they, they, can't, they can't repeat that because I think that's a... You get everyone fired up to go over the trenches yeah. is a short-term management technique, mm. isn't it? And I think... So, with Pearson, uh, Leicester were poor before Ranieri took mm. over again. He, he did a brilliant job and then results weren't going his way otherwise he wouldn't have lost his job, would he? So,
1: yeah. Would you have ever thought that AFC Bournemouth should be going that technique uh, down that route and... Uh, getting rid of Eddie and getting a specialist in or have you always stuck by Eddie as being the man to get us out of this mess that we seem to be in?
3: I think we're a unique club. I think to get rid of Eddie would be, we're not a side that has a, that has a, had a number of identities over a year. Mm. I think it would be too much of a risk. I think the bit, the what will be really interesting is the end of this season because mm. I think... Yeah. Eddie, um, well, I love Eddie to bits. There's certain things he has to change if he's going to be a long-term success in his own career, I think, and in the Premier League. And I think he has to look more outside a small group of friends that have done him very well. Mm. Um, he's still got, I think Richard Hughes is his best friend, does all of the transfer deals. Yeah. Um, Jason Tindall and him are very, very close. Stephen Purchase, they all, they all play together in one league, one side. And my criticism of Eddie has always been that he expanded the playing staff, but he, he didn't really expand the thought processes yeah. around uh, around that. I think he needs a, a strong director of football that he could appoint, that could work with him on transfers, yeah. um, and just take some of that burden off him. Because he looked after the West Ham like an exhausted man, but he mm. is still running the club like a League One club, yeah. where the manager, because they have no money, has to do everything. Yeah, And I, I don't understand why he still... It, it's almost like he won't let go of that control, and mm. I think... He's, he's now exhausted and we're not probably doing as well as we should.
2: Mm.
3: If he was a guy that had just joined us and been with us for the last two years, yeah. we'd be saying he needs to go. But mm. in terms of my opinion of him, it's a unique club. A new manager wouldn't make us better. I think my belief is they would make us worse. They mm. wouldn't understand us. And I think he... Um, he's the man to keep us out of it but he has to if we do stay up and he wants to stay yeah. then I think he probably has to approach things differently next season
1: there's a lot of people on Twitter that sort of mention uh, you know it's Eddie's friends and his backroom staff you're looking at players like uh, Connell uh, Purchase uh, Tyndall of course um, not so much Richard Hughes because he may have had Premier League experience with Portsmouth not too sure at the time but well as a player of course but um, are they equipped uh, in terms of their CVs, to be doing what they do for AFC Ball with a Premier League club because we seem to be adverse to uh, getting Premier League ready coaches in?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the all the Alan Connor, all the youth ones, that's fine because mm. they, they do certain qualifications. You bring in young players through. Uh, I think that's quite common in a lot of clubs you'll okay. see our ex pros done. But in terms of the first team squad, I, I've always just believed you need a blend, you need, yeah. you need people that understand the history of a club and what's important. Um, but it is too far a stretch of the imagination to think that the whole coaching squad for a Premier League team mm. should be a group of people that played together in League One yeah. 10 years ago mm. that's just too much of a stretch there is no logic logic no, behind no. that and yes they did so well but if you look at the players they did so well with they were players of similar
1: yeah,
3: limited true. things that they were working with people with limited skills making them an awful lot better people like Mark Pugh and Um, Simon Francis would never have believed they could have been Premier League players Mm. but they had a group of coaches that were brilliant at working with players like that I don't think they got the best out of people like um, Jordan Ibe Mm. uh, Nathaniel Klein all all of these players that we've seen that have come with a big pedigree Jermaine Defoe they they didn't develop those players Mm. what they were brilliant at working is people like David Brooks who's a young British came from the lower leagues Ramsdale young British came from the lower leagues but if you're going to sign... You have to be able to sign players from further afield and outside of that. And I don't think we've got the scouts that find them. And yeah. then when we do find them, I don't think we have the systems for them to play in that they understand that we don't work with them properly. And you'll only get that from signing a coach or one coach as part of a blend that understands that. Mm,
1: yeah. That's, um, that's just my opinion. And Jordan Ibe, um, some of his, Eddie's quotes were rather telling. Uh in terms of why he wasn't being picked yesterday, It didn't, of course, show the real reasons. But do um, you think his time's done at AFC Bournemouth? It seems it. Oh God, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. If, uh, Eddie is the least uh, is the manager who's least likely to throw a player under the bus yeah. in, in of any manager I've ever seen. I mean, sometimes I think, how does he still come out and, and not publicly yeah. slay his players? He's he's fantastic at it, um, which is I think why they're so loyal to him. Mm. But you. You could just tell with the, it was a it was a read between the lines masterclass, and uh, I think you know we, it's not right that we speculate on air as to why that is. No. But the he will um, he won't play again for us. No. No. no,
1: no, Okay, so who's going to play against uh, Watford then? Do you think? Can you predict what you think is going to happen? I mean, I think the defense probably will write itself, but then the midfield there's obviously a number of positions up for grabs. If we do play five across the midfield, who will be missing out? In the centre,
3: you can't. Uh, so I have got these two things: you have got the side that I think might play, and then that's the side that yeah, I'd play. Well, yeah. so I play. So I, what I think Eddie will do, it depends because we don't know who's coming back. So yeah. there's rumours that Nathan Ake might be back from our correspondent in Morrison's. I think yeah, it's just, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's, it's, I still can't believe he's done shopping wages. Yeah, so yeah. the, um, so I think the back four will largely pick itself. If Smith and Ake are back, they'll play with Cook and. Rico. Mm. I think if, uh, if they're not back, it'll be Francis Mepper. But I think we'll, we'll, see, a, we'll see a back four uh, okay. and it will be as strong as returning injury allows it to be. My gut feel is that Eddie will play Fraser on one wing and Harry Wilson on the other, yeah. coming narrow and uh, with the full backs attacking. I think he will play two in midfield. I think he'll play Gosling and Lerma and I think Billing and Cook will be on the bench, and then I think he'll play Solanke behind mm. Callum Wilson. That'll be the one I would lay my money on. But yeah. Like we said, Who it's knows? an unpredictable season.
1: Um, can I get a prediction from you then at this point? I mean, it's, it's very futile doing all these predictions because it never works out, but um, what, what are your thoughts ahead of it?
3: I, uh, I just got a bad... F- I hate saying that, it. You know, I know, you know, I hate saying it. I hate saying it, and I'd love to be proved wrong. Yeah. I just think when you see a side as on fire as Watford are... Mm. I think it's too big a step for us to go from that West Ham performance to yeah. playing brilliantly enough to, enough to beat them. So I think I think it might be a draw. Yeah, I think we might we might even lose it with a late goal. Mm. But I, I pray to God that I'm wrong. I just yeah. think it's a game too soon. I'd have liked another game, maybe a, a, a game that was a um, one that we weren't expected to win mm. against a side not quite as fiery. Mm. For us to get back on track and then play Watford, yeah. I just think from the West Ham to Watford, that's a leap. Yeah. Um, so, I hope I'm yeah. wrong, but I can't see us winning. What do no. you think?
1: I'm going to go. I'm going to go for a two-one win. I don't, I, yeah, I, I, I hope so. I just think that's you know, at some point things have got to come together. This run that we've been on cannot last much longer than what it is, and if it does continue, we deserve to go down. We we deserve. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Um, So, but I just can't. I mean. I was looking at um, the Southampton run under Ronald Koeman. It was very similar. I think ten games where they had a, a win and a draw chucked in there, but it was just a series of losses, and they stuck with him. And you know, eventually it was it was turned around. I think Eddie, uh, you know, will be the man to bring us out of the mire. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think I think two one to Bournemouth. So that's what we're going for. Um, Neil, thank Brilliant. you very much no. for being on the podcast again. Thank you. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed. We'll pick up three points on Saturday at Watford. Up the cherries. Up the cherries. Hi, I'm Jimmy Glass and
2: this is Back of the
1: So there we go. It's great to have Neil Dawson on the podcast this week. Uh, fantastic hearing his views. And Jeff, I, I certainly hope you enjoyed your week off, but fear not. Uh, there's another pod to do, and hopefully it will be a positive one against Watford next weekend. Now, of course, the the preview that we did was, um, was sort of intermingled in Neil's chat. Uh, we didn't really segment it out. Uh, there'll be more preview material on our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash AFCB podcast later on in the week. So do make sure you subscribe to that. Thank you ever so much to everyone who has uh, donated a coffee to us. Uh, If you'd like to do so, just go to afcbpodcast.com slash Coffee. Thanks very much. We've managed to cover uh, the first year's hosting of the pod and then we're, we've are pretty much eaten into the second year as well. So uh, yeah, really pleased about that. And uh, we're looking to get a bit more professional with the video podcast as well. Uh, we're doing them now at the Barking Cat Ale House in Parkstone in Paul on Ashley Road. And we'll be videoing them and we, we just need proper equipment really. And then I, I don't look him pot. Um, I'm like the AFC Bournemouth of old, which which reminds me um, the do you remember question. Now that was AFC Bournemouth of old. Of course, we beat Luton 4-0 at the Vitality on Saturday. But before that, what was our last cup match against the Hatters? Um, I can tell you it was in 1998. In fact, it was the 17th of February 1998. And yes, it was part of of that famous Football League Trophy run that we had that took us all the way to Wembley. Football League Trophy, I hear you cry. Yeah, well, you and I know it better as the auto-windscreen shield. That was the Southern semi-final, and we played Luton at home, 1-1-0 in front of a crowd of 5,367, and the goal scorer, of course... It was this man. Bonjour, my name is Frank Rowling and you're listening Back of the Net. Good old Frank Rowling. He he couldn't stop scoring in that competition and then never played at Wembley. He also scored our goal in the League Cup as well when we played... Torquay United uh, I think we lost on on aggregate that season but yeah in that competition he scored our goal there as well so um what a guy he was obviously he was made for scoring in the cup but yeah that was 1-0 against Luton it was in February 98 and the goal scorer Frank Rolling. So thanks once again for listening to Back of the Net. If uh, you would like to leave a review on iTunes or your podcast app, we would really appreciate it. If you can't donate, we'll do that. It's for free. Um, All you do is just leave a review of however many stars you think this show is worth, hopefully five, and then leave a comment as well because it all helps to... I don't know, know. it's technical, it goes up the algorithm or something. Remember to subscribe to YouTube as well. There'll be more video content on throughout the week. But, yeah, let's look forward to Watford now. We've picked up this win, albeit in the Cup. We're not exactly rejoicing and thinking everything is good with the world, but it's nice to have some hope, isn't it? Thanks for listening. This is Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast.
2: down the inside left channel. the stayed in the game for a long time, but it's a difficult night for them now as the Cherries nearly make it for. It's still by it. The chance for Solanke. It's got it!